All right, so we're back with the Lindroth Hockey Podcast, but I am riding solo today. This is Andrew Lindroth. It'll be episode 87 or 88, believe, whenever this will be released. But today we do have a special guest with us here, uh, Joshua Laban. And I also want to make sure that we mention that we are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions. So Josh's journey began as a teenager picking up his, in his NAHL days, where he played for the Springfield Junior Blues and later committed to Mercyhurst College. He spent all four years at Mercyhurst and even served as captain of his team in his senior year. In 2018, he went on to sign his first pro contract in the ECHL with the Florida Everblades. After a season down south, he went on to sign with Allen Americans and suited up for the team for the next two years. This past season, Josh decided to take his talents overseas and join the Cardiff Devils of the EIHL and ended up cap- capturing one of the many championships that league has. Now it's confirmed that he is returning to North America in the upcoming 21-22 season and will suit up for the Kansas City Mavericks. Without further ado, please welcome today, Josh Landon. Josh, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I just want to start. Uh, when, when was the official announcement made for Kansas City Mavericks? I didn't see anything. We went on to Elite Prospects. They snuck it on there for the upcoming season. Yeah, I think the team announced it last week on social media. Um, so I had f- signed a couple of weeks ago, but – I think the team officially publicized it last week. Awesome. Well, Josh, take us back from the beginning, then. Let's let's start. So you play a few years in the NAHL before committing to Mercyhurst College. I know I couldn't pronounce that in the intro. But we're starting to see a lot of talent come from the uh, ranks in the pro hockey that are products of the NAHL. So how did your time there help you prepare for competitive collegiate hockey? Yeah, no, it was pretty good. I um, So I played AAA out of Detroit, um, originally from Michigan. So I played a couple of years for Victory Honda. Um, I was actually going to go to college just for school and not really play hockey. Uh, but then luckily Mercyhurst uh, offered me a scholarship out of high school, which, you know, sometimes is, it can be pretty rare. I don't know about today. That's been a decade ago now at least. But, um, yeah, so that was cool. So then I was like, you know what, I'm going to get to play hockey, get a education paid for why not so I actually signed with the Springfield Junior Blues in the NHL um, the NAL it's easier to say it that way okay yeah <laughs> um, yeah I enjoyed my time there um, you know both years we we were a pretty young team both years uh, our coach there tried to bring in some younger guys and kind of just develop them in that league which you know some teams sell out and they you know bring pretty much age outs in and you know, try to go for it all, or we kind of had more of a growth mindset where, you know, we finished kind of middle of the road, uh, both my years, but it was good for development, right? So I got to, um, you know, play quite a bit, especially my second year there. Um, you know, just the grind of, you know, playing 60 games a season versus like triple A when I played prior to that was, you know, 30, 40 games. Um, you know, you're living on your own, um, had an awesome billet family over there, which made the process a lot easier. And, um, yeah, no, I think it definitely helps players grow and kind of become more independent before going on to school. You know, most freshmen at college, it's the first time living away from home. Whereas, you know, most hockey players have played a year, two, three years of junior hockey, um, prior to freshman year. So I definitely think even off the ice, it helps more so than on the ice, but, you know, it definitely helps on the ice as well to have those two years of, you know, development, playing against, you know, guys like boys who are starting to, you know, become men, so to speak, you know, a pretty big gap between that 18 to 21 year old range there in terms of just physical development. So 
yeah, I enjoyed my time there for sure. So I'm sure then you had plenty of offers from other schools. What led you uh, to decide on Mercyhurst? Yeah, um, they were actually my first offer and I accepted. Um, I visited Bowling Green at the time. Um, they wanted me to play juniors before they, you know, offered a commitment. Um, back when commitments actually meant something in college yeah. hockey. Now it's a wild, wild west out there. So I don't know. Uh, it's a completely different ballgame than back when I was, you know, being recruited. But, um, you know, as I mentioned, I was going to go to school. I was applying to schools just to be a, a scholar. And I you know, always took school pretty serious. So I wasn't going to really play junior hockey unless I had an offer. Um, kind of, I guess, might be a – not even, it wasn't even like in a narcissistic way. It was just like, that was my priority at the time. And luckily Mercyhurst, you know, offered me our coach at Victory Honda used to be the assistant coach at Mercyhurst um, prior to when he came back to play or coach AAA. So kind of had that connection. And actually a buddy of mine, Les Lancaster was playing with me in Detroit, Victory Honda. And he also committed to Mercyhurst and he ended up going to, uh, the spring to Springfield with me as well. So we, we had a good stretch of years of hockey together, which was cool. And obviously made the transition easier at all those places along the way to have that familiar face and a friend there. So yeah. Um, you know, Mercer's was my first offer and just kind of jumped on it. And, you know, my coach and juniors, my second year just was asking, you know, is everything good with Mercy or some other schools have just been asking, making sure. And, you know, I honestly didn't even ask who at the time. Like, it was way more taboo than to, you know, decommit or, like, whatever happens nowadays where, I mean, you know, like I said, a commitment doesn't mean as much now. It's more just a vocal a vocal promise, which can be broken pretty easy. So, yeah, um, that's, that's kind of how it played out. So, um, you served your team captain senior year, um, correct? Is that correct? Elite prospects is not always right. Yeah, no, I was like fortunate to be captain my second year in Springfield and then captain my senior year at school. So, um, yeah, it's, it's super cool. That's accurate. So not to sound like a cliche or to get a cliche answer or anything, but we always try and ask anybody that has been a captain, whether it was collegiate hockey, whether it was pro hockey, what does it take to be a leader? As I mean, does it mean you got to be showing up every morning at the ice before everybody else? Is it a you know, helping the equipment guys. I mean, what, what do you really have to do for the coach to see you're a true leader in hockey and for this team? I mean, I'm always, I've never played competitive hockey like that, so I would not know. Yeah, uh, no, I think in any, you know, sport, any industry, whether it's sports or not, um, I think just there's some people who are, you know, natural leaders, I guess, so to speak, in different ways, right? Some leaders are really vocal and, you know, bring a lot of energy uh, it's kind of like the rowdy the voice of the room so to speak um, which is not really my leadership style you know I've always just been not a quiet guy but I'm not like the center of attention kind of guy just kind of you know try to do the right things day in day out you know on the ice off the ice just being accountable uh, I think being accountable being relatable to players kind of being able to bridge that communication between players and coach um, you know that's kind of the leadership group's uh, you know job as a team. And yeah, you know, I think I've always just prided myself on working hard, um, doing the right things day in and day out. And like you said, you know, like just being a good person off the ice, whether it's helping out, you know, like 
obviously in juniors and college, you know, there's like rookie duties and stuff. And like, that was like a place that's kind of fun, just, you know, little games and stuff with guys on the team. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like if someone needs help or something, I'm not going to just make someone do it because they're younger than me. You know what I mean? Like I, it's one of those things like I will help out. I'm not too proud or whatever, you know, whatever benefits the team. I think just make up like that is what, you know, makes a good leader, um, you know, brings out those leadership qualities in people. So. Yeah. And so before we had uh, Shane Corson on the show, we were kind of asking about being the captain on the team and everything. And I'm glad that you had mentioned the, uh, you, you're the bridge of communication between the players and the coaches. And Shane Corson had mentioned one time, I forgot what happened. He didn't want to get on the ice for whatever reason. I forgot who was even captain on the ice and blanking now. But he had said that afterwards, the coach had benched him, didn't want him any part of him on the team, at least for now. And so wherever the captain was of the team at the time, went up and had a talk to the coach and go, hey, you know, uh, let me talk to him. He's a young guy. So in your experience, what was that bridge of communication like? Was it difficult? For some players, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you got, you know, all sorts of different personalities you have to deal with. But what was that communication like trying to get that between players and coaches so they understood each other? <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, it's situational. It depends on, you know, the coaches you're dealing with and then, you know, the players. So, yeah, I think it's just, you know, being someone that's kind of, you know, emotionally intelligent. Like you got to kind of understand who you're working with, you know, what types of personality they are and, you know, I think obviously as a player on the team, you know, you're with, you're with the guys every single day, especially in college and juniors, you know, you, you're in the locker room when the coaches might not be, you're away from the rink with them, just kind of hearing discussions away from the rink. So obviously, you know, you don't say everything that each party says to one another, but I think, you know, you're, you're just there to be relatable to both parties where, you know, if players, you know, feel something, especially in terms of like, days off and stuff I find just like you have a better read of the room you know there's sometimes especially in pro hockey where you know there's so many games it's like the leadership like goes to the coaches and it's like hey like I think this would be a good day for a day off you know and you kind of have to balance that where like some guys just want days off all the time but you know there's a yeah. place where you know maybe the coach doesn't know but like guys are just bagged and like you know, mentally, physically. And it's like this, it would be more beneficial for the guys not to skate today and stuff like that, where, um, you know, I think you can be the voice of reason for the players, but also hold guys accountable for the coaches. And, you know, you can be that accountability guy. That's just like, you know, you, you just address an issue and try to nip it in the butt before it, you know, um, becomes a distraction. So. So you move on, you get your first pro contract. ECHL, Florida Everblades, kind of a two-part question. We'll start with what was the story of you getting the call or the offer of your first contract? But the second, we always like to ask this, kind of what you mentioned earlier. I know you're starting to play more with grown men in college, but now you're really playing against grown men. You're trying to feed their families. It's a little bit more than just playing college hockey. What was that transition like as a player? So kind of a two-part question. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, again, kind of back to when I signed in college, when I was playing college I wasn't sure if I wanted to play pro hockey you know I was like yeah like I was a good athlete or a good student sorry and I was like I'm just gonna work you know I don't need to play pro hockey and then I had a pretty good senior year and kind of opened some doors for me luckily um, and I had a few offers from quite a few ECHL teams and yeah uh, I just really liked the discussion I had with you know the Florida's coaching staff and it seemed like a good fit you know they're always a competitive team the Florida weather doesn't hurt either right so oh. 
Uh, yeah, but no, that was a great experience, you know, going down there. Like the guys were super, um, you know, welcoming. It's like the biggest difference for me is kind of going to the other question between pro hockey and college, especially when I was playing college where there wasn't like the transfer wire and whatever that's going on now. But it's like those were the guys you had for four years. Like my class had 11 guys in it. And, you know, it was like us 11 that were like teammates for four years straight. And in, in pro hockey, it's just, especially in the ECHL, you know, it's cutthroat. Like contracts are really week to week. Like you can get cut any day. And they're just so used to like new faces in the locker room, right? That was kind of the first time I've experienced that. Like I was never traded in juniors or anything. And, you know, every year in the ECHL when college seniors are graduating, you know, there's kind of a, a flood of players who are looking to play. And, you know, there's some tough decisions that have to be made where guys who have been in the in the team for a while may get cut and stuff and for new college guys. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. But, yeah, the guys in Florida were great, um, super welcoming. It's, you know, an organization that's ran really well, which is why they're always competitive. Obviously just won Kelly Cup this year. So that was good. And, you know, I got my first taste of um, pro hockey in those 10 games there after my senior year, which was, which was awesome. Yeah, so after Florida, you know, you go on to sign with the Allen Americans, which funny, Josh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but my father and I were, were from Boston, but uh, we're based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, you know, we go to a lot of Tulsa Oilers games. And so we remember seeing you during with the yeah. Allen Americans when you stopped by Tulsa. So that was always a good rivalry. So talk about those two years with us. What was it like on Allen Americans? I mean, you guys were always a pretty tough team too, man. I think Allen always had a, a fight behind them for every game. So what, what, what was those two years like for you? Yeah, no, it was good. So I, I actually signed with Florida that summer again. And then I got traded to Allen after the preseason. Um, and again, my buddy Les Lancaster that I played with at Mercyhurst and Springfield was on Allen. And we were actually talking the night before just about whatever. And the next morning I got traded over to Allen. I was like, it was almost funny. I was like, no way, like such a small world that we ended up together again. But no, like you said, it was great. Uh, Steve Martinson was our coach over there who – Funny guy, just uh, you know, he's a great coach, but like really good winning record. I think he's the second winningest coach in North America behind Scotty Bowman, which is pretty, pretty crazy record there. But you no, know, he was he was cool, but old school, like tough coach. You know, I think he was he was a fighter when he was playing. So we definitely had a lot of tough guys. Uh, not my role, but I'll let the other guys <laughs> handle that for me, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, Texas was a great spot as well. You know, I've been fortunate to play in some good spots in my pro career and. Uh, being down there in Allen, just north of Dallas, was was cool. You know, we're in the suburbs, get pretty good fan base, but it's only like a thirty minute drive to you know Dallas, which is a major city in the U.S. And um, yeah, definitely had uh, my fair share of games in Tulsa, and I'll be going back there this season. So <laughs> yeah, and so uh, what was what was the trade like? Did they call you and just say, hey, you got to pack up your stuff. You're going to Texas tomorrow. I mean, what, what, how does the trade in ECHL go down nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I think it obviously depends on the coach, on the situation, time. But for me, you know, in training camps, there's always a lot of movement around players, like with guys coming down from the American League and stuff. And, you know, Milwaukee had sent quite a few guys down to Florida during camp. And, you know, it's just kind of a numbers game, obviously, in the ECHL with only 10 forwards playing. Um, you know, there's less oper less room on the roster for forwards. So 
yeah, uh, the coach uh, kind of texted me that morning. He was like, hey, can you come to the rink a little before you're supposed to be there? So it's not usually a good sign. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, just kind of told me, no, nothing you did, but it's just numbers thing. And yeah, said we trade you to Allen. You know, wish me the best of luck, but you know, it's kind of the tough part about being a coach. You know, you have to make some tough decisions. So, yeah, no hard feelings there. It's just, you know, obviously it always comes down to numbers. There's a lot of competitive players all over the over the world trying to compete. So, yeah, um, just said you traded, went home, got my car, and packed my yep. stuff and started driving to Texas. So it's pretty wow. pretty quick. Well, so after two two years with Allen, you do move on overseas. Cardiff Devils. Yep. Now we've got uh, quite a following over in the UK. We've been trying to follow the EIHL and uh, we followed the Sheffield Steelers this past season because of a bunch of the imports we had on the show. But what led to the decision? What was it like as a North American boy traveling and living in, in Europe for the first time? How did, how did all that uh, come to fruition? Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, I, at the end of last year, or I guess two years ago, you know, I've, had some opportunities, um, some offers to go play in Europe, and it's intriguing. You know, sometimes depending on the league, you can make a little more money over there than you can in North America. So um, that's obviously enticing. And you know, luckily, I was you know fortunate enough. Cardiff offered me a contract, and you know, I heard really good things about the city, the organization, uh, the fan base, and you know, obviously being an English speaking country makes the transition a lot easier to come over there as an import so yeah I jumped on the offer and headed out last August luckily there was a guy I played with an Allen um, at register who also signed in Cardiff so we knew one another before going over <clears throat> which again I've always kind of had that familiar face everywhere I've gone which you know obviously right. a small world so I'm sure it's a pretty common occurrence but uh, yeah it was cool to have him there and you know I knew we were going to be roommates uh, but yeah the UK was great. Um, definitely don't say England when you're we were in Wales. <laughs> yeah, my dad learned that the last time we had a, a, a Wales uh, player on. He said England, and they're like, it's not the same thing. <laughs> oh yeah, you'll get a lot of uh, a lot of shit for saying. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, English there. So yeah, the the Welsh people were awesome. Like super welcoming. They you know they love the hockey team there and supported us. We pretty much had a, a full crowd every night, every home game over there uh, there was a stretch around christmas time where covid kind of resurged and we had no fans for about a month but as soon as they lifted that again the arena filled right back up and you know they're always there to support us uh, which was super cool that's probably the best fan base in the in the league in cardiff there um the travel you know was a lot shorter than echl yeah across the country obviously the uk is a little bit smaller so that was great. Yeah. And just living, being able to live in uh, England or travel in England, live in the UK. Yeah. Uh, super, super cool. We were in Champions League um, as well because Cardiff had won the EIHL, you know, the year prior or before COVID. So we got to play uh, Adler Mannheim out of the Dell in Germany, which is always, you know, a renowned team over there. We played Luzon um, from the NLA in Switzerland, which is cool. And, um, Luka Rama, which is in Finland, um, out of the out of Liga. So we played, you know, three really high caliber, you know, European teams over there, and it's a home and home in that tournament. So they come to us for a game, and then we got to travel to Germany, Switzerland, and Finland, which 
a super, you know, super cool experience being from North America. So yeah, in terms of living, that was awesome. Um, and hockey's pretty comparable to the ECHL, I'd say, and the EIHL. Okay. Um, you know, it's older guys there kind of finishing, not necessarily finishing their careers, but the league in general is older. Like, I think our average age was 30 um, on our team. So, you know, being in the coast, I think the average age is usually like 25, 26. So there's a lot less, you know, 21, 22, 23-year-olds and the more guys that are in their 30s, you know, more mature, have played in different leagues in Europe. So in that regard, the hockey is a little different. Um you know, bigger ice surface and some rinks, but that's not like a standard in that league. So some rinks are big, some are smaller, but the big ice surface definitely changes the game um, a little bit. And yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a good experience. So I definitely enjoyed my time over there. Yeah. So I heard that uh, not to call out any other fan bases in North America, right. But I heard over in Europe and some of those leagues, the fan base could be pretty, pretty good. And you were just describing that it was always full and everything. How was the fan energy? Were they pretty uh, crazy over there? Were they pretty involved with the team? Yeah, absolutely. They're so much better than North American fans. I'm calling North American <laughs> fans out for sure. Like we, I went to a few premier league soccer games uh, while I was there. So I got to see Manchester United play. Uh, I went to a Chelsea game, went to a Tottenham game. So but uh, especially with foot- football, uh, you know, the fan bases are crazy, just nonstop chanting. You know, they have the drum going like during the play and they carried it right into the ice rink too. So yeah, just way more energetic, always chanting songs. They had a song for like each player and yeah, it was, it was awesome to play in front of, you know, the atmosphere is a lot better with the fans energy. Well, you returned to the States a year later. So Josh, yeah. Bring us to current time now, man. Kansas City Mavericks signed here, coming back. How can we coming back to the states? Did you just miss America? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, uh, you know, I think I've been forced to play in some good places in my pro career. Uh, I, you know, I don't see myself playing hockey forever. Um, so, one thing I haven't really accomplished yet is to get to the American Hockey League. Um, you know, I haven't checked that off the list yet, which is some, you know, a league I think I'm capable of playing in. And, you know, I think you obviously can't get really called up to the American league from Europe. So, you know, I was really kind of contemplating back and forth and just thought, you know what, let's, you know, come back and try to, you know, check that off the list and earn a spot on American league team. You know, I think, like I said, I'm, you know, capable of, you know, playing that league and just kind of want to prove it to myself and, um, that I can do it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like yeah. a goal. After. So I just want to come back and, you know, I played for uh, Tad, who is our head coach now in Kansas city. I played for him in Florida. He was the assistant coach over there when I was there. And then our assistant coach in Kansas city, I played with in Florida actually as a teammate. And then I played against them um, for a few years in the coach too. So yeah, just uh, I had familiarity, familiarity with the coaches. Obviously I played in Kansas city while I was in Allen and, you know, they, uh, have a great fan base. I've heard really good things about the city itself um, of Kansas city. And yeah, just kind of, I liked what, uh, what they're building there. So I'm excited for this season coming up. Yeah. And so not to jump, you know, prematurely or anything. I mean, you're still a young, I think 27, you still got plenty left in the tank to play hockey. I'm sure the American hockey league is not far out of your reach, but you said that, you know, you know, you're not going to be playing forever. 
have you started to like, so don't want to jump too far ahead. Have you started to think about maybe what you want to do is coaching in your thing. Or what did you say after playing, you know, fuck it, we'll figure it out then. I mean, what's kind of the attitude right now? Yeah, no, I, uh, I have my real estate license actually in Virginia. Um, so I live over in DC area now, but in Virginia side. Um, so I've done some of that in the off seasons. I'm big into photography. So I actually do real estate photography as well. Um, kind of as a side gig, which I've been able to do wherever I play, you know, there's, there's housing everywhere. So that's been nice, but yeah, no, I, uh, really got into real estate after my girlfriend and I, we bought a place over here, like the summer of 2020, like during COVID year, um, you know, we wanted to buy like in college, you know, got into real estate investing, like interested in real estate investing and, um, you know, just the power behind it. And so, you know, we didn't want to rent, we wanted to you know, buy a place. So, um, luckily we could do that. Um, so we bought a place in 2020. It was just a really cool experience with our agent. Um, she was great, like very informative and, you know, kind of taught us how to do it as first time home buyers. And, you know, I was like, wow, that's actually, you know, it's a cool career. And obviously it's, a it's all based on, um, commission, right? So it's very competitive. So I think it kind of, it naturally aligns with a lot of athletes, you know, you see a lot of athletes going into real estate, which I think sometimes the agents get a bad rep you know, oh, you're a real estate agent, just salesy. But, you know, I, I've met a lot of good agents. Um, I actually am part of a team now. It's called Keller Williams Sports Entertainment, where it's, you know, there's like 1,100 agents in it, and we um, help athletes, um, athletes and entertainers specifically, you know, with relocation issues, like um, solutions, whether it's, you know, rentals for the season, investment properties, you know, a primary residence in the off-season trades happen obviously they got to find housing so we have an awesome thing we're building over at keller williams here um to kind of help agents which then again i can kind of bridge my connection with with hockey and um also with real estate so yeah there's already uh, i'm already in the path of what my transition be, and luckily it's a pretty flexible thing where i can kind of you know build it as i'm still playing you know obviously i can't represent people outside of virginia um, but you know, I can still, you know, help people who are my teammates, my friends, family that are relocating. And, you know, I have a strong connection with agents all over the country, all over the world. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a super cool network to be a part of a lot of, you know, high profile athletes and stuff that we help out and it's a, it's a pretty cool niche. So yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's what I have in the pipeline here coming up. So so before before we jump in our, our lightning round questions, and I'll explain what that is just here in a second. Now that you just kind of mentioned, I'm curious, do you think guys that are playing in the East Coast League, even the AHL, overseas, whatever, I know that a lot of them do have their summertime jobs if they do, but do you think or do you see more guys dipping their toes into stuff like a real estate thing, but something that they're able to do kind of all the time? Because you said that you're able to do your real estate photography, wherever and everything. I mean, that's gotta be important because we all know, let's be real, the ECHL, you guys don't make shit, right? As far as money goes, probably even overseas compared to just making a good living. So you guys have to do more stuff. Do you see more of them trying to get side gigs like this, trying to do stuff during the season or, you know, what, what, what are your opinions on that? Yeah, um, I think personally it's important just to, you know, obviously with pro hockey schedule, you know, we're playing a lot, but there's also a lot of downtime, which kind of sounds kind of contradictory. But, you know, when we have like days where we don't play a game and we go to the rink for three to four hours a day and then it's kind of like, what do you do for the rest of the day? So I've always, you know, 
been interested in, you know, when I was in Allen, I was getting my real estate license. So I had that course to do and <clears throat> studying for that. And, um, I personally like to have, you know, the option to do real estate photography on the side and it just gives me something to do extra money. Like you said, you know, the money is not great. Otherwise guys will be playing the coast forever. So, um, yeah, I think it's important. I think a lot of guys definitely work in the summers, whether that's coaching, um, hockey camps, you know, it's pretty big for pro guys or, you know, whatever their side hustle may be in the summertime during the season, maybe not so much, especially when you have to relocate, you know, you have to find something that you can do <clears throat> that you don't need to be you know, at home to do. So that's a little tougher for guys, but, you know, luckily with my photography business, I can take that everywhere. So yeah, I think, you know, it's obviously a lot of pro athletes that are in the minors, you know, have to, you know, make extra money somehow. So, um, yeah, we, we, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Mike McKee, big Mike. He, we had him on the show not too long ago and we were talking to him and he was like, yeah, the summers are my worst times because, you know, me and Pleskatch, you know, we're over here, uh, doing, uh, fixing people's toilets and stuff, doing all yeah. this stuff. So he's like, man, during the summer, it's really, really rough for us. So we just can't wait to get playing back to hockey. So, you know, sometimes, I mean, you got a good gig. Some of the other ones can be fixing toilets during the summer, but you know, Mike McKee's got a different job on the ice too. So I think he can handle more of that work too. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for well, sure. Josh, let's head into the, the lightning round now. So basically all this is, is going to ask about six, seven questions are going to be, Spit at you pretty fast. Now, if you have a single answer, great. Or if you have a story to go along with it, even better. But we're gonna, I'm going to kind of shoot these at you quick, all right? Make all right, your brain. All right. This can go back to college days, whatever. It doesn't matter. But toughest goalie to score against? Oh, toughest goalie to score against? Um. I know I'm supposed to be fast, but this is a tough one. I, uh, it's a big, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a really good question. I don't know if I have one. Um, you know, I'll tell you, it's, like on a, it's not really a story, but in college, when I was at Mercy Harris, we always played Air Force. Mm. And, you know, they were just notoriously defensive, like played a very gritty style of hockey. Like they had good goaltending. I think, uh, what's his first name? His name's Starrett. I believe he played in the UK actually this year. Um, but he was at Air Force. And, you know, not, it wasn't just him, but it was like their whole system. And they played super defensive when you're out in Colorado playing with oh. the elevation change. Like you get you get gassed. And it was just such a tough place to play and tough place to score. Yeah. I feel like every game we played there was super low scoring. So I guess that kind of comes to mind in terms of goalie. But. Which arena had the worst ice conditions? Uh, definitely this year in the EIHL, um, Manchester. It I heard not, there's some old buildings over yeah, that. Way. I'm not ashamed to say it. Manchester and Guildford. Um, okay, Guildford. Both had horrible ice conditions all the time. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's an that's easy question. Yeah, I'm, that's, I can say that proudly. Cool. Uh, who has been the rat in your career, Josh? Is there anybody pricking your back, cross-checking you, but won't fight, won't do anything, but will just get under your skin? <laughs> um, no, I haven't really, you know, had someone that's nagging me that I've played with a lot. Um, 
this is it's kind of it's not even really a good answer for this, but I've had one fight in my career. Nice. And against uh, Eric Israel, which I, we played against each other in college. Um, I was okay. at Mercy or he was at Robert Morris, same class. We played each other for four years, and then he played for Rapid City when I was in Allen. So, you know, we, we saw a lot of each other. Um, never really had, like, it, I wouldn't even call him rad at all. Like, I, I, I don't know him personally, but, you know, I think he's a good guy. And we just kind of one day, like, kind of going at it <laughs> by the bench. All of a sudden, just dropped the gloves with each other. Neither one of us are fighters, but um anyways yeah exactly so he was not a rap but it was like my one fight that kind of came on pro hockey so cool at least you got the one man hockeyfights.com yeah. baby look up the all player. you need yeah exactly when someone asks you fight i have one right. which arena had the worst locker rooms um we're going back overseas for this yeah i think we're going back overseas for this one as well uh uh, Manchester again, just that whole situation is not good. Uh, Guildford isn't great. Um, Fife in the yeah. UK has a pretty tough, uh, they have really good ice sheet, but the building is super old and the locker yeah. room is pretty small. But um, I would give it to Manchester and Guildford, like uh, those places were just never a really fun road trip to play in, yeah. Um, what is the funniest, most embarrassing thing to ha- to happen to you while you're on the ice, whether it be warm up during a game, but anything embarrassing or funny to happen to you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I have never had a super bad one where I have left like my skate guards on or something while on the ice. <laughs> Those are always tough. Um, I would say just it's not even a good answer. It's just like a, I've had a I've had a warm up fall. So like in pro hockey, if you okay. you, have to put, you, know, you get fined if you fall in warm ups. It's a <laughs> do you, you really put up, you usually have to put up you know twenty five bucks on the board if, oh, uh, if you have a warm up bigger. So I, I've had a couple of those. One I had one last year actually. A guy, it's like the warm drill every team does, where you kind of dump a puck in. You break out three on two. You kind of regroup with the forwards. They go in and get a shot. Right. It's like such a classic drill. And the center behind me <laughs> dumped the puck in as I shot. And so when I turned and peeled out for, like, the next group to go, it, like, time it just right. I stepped on the puck, crossing over. And obviously oh, in that yeah. drill, everyone's kind of watching the puck, so everyone saw it. So that was probably the biggest, uh, I guess. At least it was uh, during practice. <laughs> yeah, or warm ups. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah, at least yeah, during warm ups. Yeah. So I know that this is kind of a generic, kind of a broad question, but what could you say is your best hockey memory in your career thus far? Um, I would say I'll give you two. I would say um, definitely winning um, in England or over in the UK. Uh, yeah. That was. That was super cool to finally win with Cardiff. You know, I've been on – it's been a long time <laughs> since I've really won a trophy, you know, since youth hockey. It's been it's been a long road to do that, and it was just such a, a sweet uh, feeling when it finally happened, you know, when that final buzzer rang. And, you know, you can say you're champion of something. It was super special, and we had a good group of guys, so it was cool to share it with them. Um, and I think in college when I played against the University of Michigan, um, I grew up like 30 minutes from there. Mm. At we actually played Michigan and I had a lot of friends and family come to that game. It was like our 
I think it was like my fourth or fifth college hockey game ever. So it was my freshman year and you know, still super excited to play and being able to play in front of all my friends and family against the school that I, you know, I always watched uh, growing up. And, you know, it was just kind of like the, I made it kind of moment, so to right. speak feeling. So that was, that was a uh, super special as well. Awesome. Well, Josh, I know we're running out of time. Um, we really appreciate you. I know my father's in here, but we both appreciate you coming on the show today. I'll officially say goodbye off air, but I'll, I'll say goodbye um, off the air here in a second. But officially on air, man, thank you for joining. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.